Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. I am H.A. Conrad here in Brooklyn, and here, as always, my intrepid co-host from the West Coast. Hello, Stuart. Hey, good day. How you doing? Good, good. Recovering from, you know, new social interactions that I'm I'm not necessarily uh, totally ready for, but working, at, working on it, working on it. I hear you. I know, but... Uh, Excited to chat with you today about Day Shift, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about a couple news items. Uh, Halloween season, so lots of stuff out there about zombie haunted houses and things like that, which we won't get too much into. Um, I you know, I think everybody knows they're out there, right? <laughs> so, um, but we had a, a couple of different um, things that, that people are talking about out there. One of them is that there is a video game called uh, Night. Night at the Gates of Hell, which is a retro zombie game. And I don't know if you had a chance to check this out, but the graphics look like pointedly retro and it does look kind of fun, but I didn't I didn't go through those. There wasn't a trailer that I saw, but you may have seen something else. I have not watched a trailer, but I know that this there's been some buzz around this game, especially in um gaming news channels for the last week or two and the 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 art style is <laughs> very uh very retro but also like you know gruesome in that way that um italian horror used to be um and and like sort of a tv look even like yeah it does have that like kind of feel right yeah uh i i i don't know that this would be the sort of game that i would get into maybe it could be fun but uh generally when i go back and re re-experience these sorts of games that I actually played when they were coming out, not necessarily horror, but they don't, they don't capture me the same way. I like, I like a little more realism. So the, some of the uh, whole uh, revision, not revisionist, but like this, you know, taking a retro approach to things doesn't usually suck me in, but I think for people who haven't experienced it before, it's more appealing, you know? Is it like a cost cutting effort since it doesn't, you know, or is this just equally as expensive in terms of doing like the graphics? Well, I like yeah, I don't know. I'm the, I have not ever made a video game and I don't know if they're like actually processing this, uh, having to use an engine to make it look this bad, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it does or, look pretty bad. or if it's just, yeah, maybe it is um, cheaper and like, you know, you, your, your textures have less fewer pixels and like less texture to them. And so it, it takes less time to develop. Um, there certainly, certainly could be an argument there. All right. Well, um, I, you know, I leave this stuff to you to, to think about. And I will think out, about but, it for sure. Um, and then a couple of cool trailers or trailer. And I don't know, one trailer that I was excited to see, um, especially because Pedro Pascal is in it, but uh, the trailer for, Last of Us came out this past week, and uh, Pedro Pascal is excited about it, as he is excited about many of his projects. Um, but it looks pretty good. And, you know, I have to say, HBO does a fantastic job with the soundtrack, and this was no exception, uh, just in getting people excited. What did you think about it? I've been seeing a lot of really favorable uh, responses because of how true to the game it appears. Um which I think, you know, for people who've played the game, that's going to be important. I had, I thought it looked amazing. Um, I love the fact that young lady Mormont is, uh, are, is the, I think it's Ella is the lead. Yeah. Um, pretty exciting. I like her a lot. So I was pretty thrilled to see her in this and, you know, 
a little bit of of dual Game of Thrones people in this. So that's awesome. Yeah, Bella Ramsey, which is a very memorable name. I don't know why I can't remember. Uh, but it looks it looks uh, atmospheric and um, the visuals looked impressive. Uh, looked like it has a pretty interesting cast. I saw Nick Offerman in there, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't wait. I think it's coming out in 2023. I'm not sure exactly when. Yeah, it said 2023, but again, a little a little uh, muddy in terms of exactly when. So we'll see uh, again. And then next up, there is the Among the Living trailer. So um, first thoughts about it that you have. This was kind of buried in the news feed. So it's not getting like massively pushed. Uh, it's being produced by a company called Dread. And I don't know that I'm familiar really with work that they've done. It's it's set in England. The cast appeared to be English. British, whatever. Uh, the I would say the the cinematography looked good, like the images and the editing looked good, but the sound was bad, and I don't yes. understand. And I know that's difficult. Like God knows, um, audio's hard. It's it's, but it's if you've got your cinematography down, that's what I just don't understand. It's like I would expect them both to be kind of bad looking, but right. I thought that the the picture looked okay. So I had the same thought, and I think what I thought was weird about it is that this is a trailer so you would expect that even if there was some something going on that maybe they need to fix and post or they're still you know they're they're kind of like i don't know ironing things out that at least within the trailer they could like do something about it and it was really evident and obvious and uneven so i don't know if there's something i'm missing here or it was just like a something it was just it was very unusual given the quality of the filming and the editing that at least seemed to be apparent in the in the trailer okay yeah so i guess we landed they, in the same place there uh because it looks the story wise it looks like you know dad in the apocalypse sort of storyline it's we have seen that sort of story before but the stakes are much higher in those sorts of stories so it, the story even looked kind of compelling mm-hmm. but yeah like it just doesn't make sense that 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 was what they wanted to show off the film with was like some kind of scratchy dialogue. Yeah. So anyway, maybe we'll see that this gets uh, remedied, but, um, but I'd still look, I'd give it a chance and let's hope that this other issue is, is resolved. So, um, but without further ado, do you want to talk about a day shift, which is, this is uh, just came out this past summer, right? Yeah. Um, and directed by JJ Perry, um, we have a screen uh, who did a lot of like, uh, he did a lot of like stunt work, correct? That's their um, first film as far yeah. as I know. Uh, a screenplay by Tyler Tice and Shay Hatton. And, you know, we have a pretty, uh, like, a, like a, you know, the lead of this is Jamie Foxx, but we also have, um, Snoop Dogg and, uh, we've got a Franco in it. <laughs> so. I think the only Franco who's allowed to work anymore, Dave, who yeah. is hilarious and charming and really, brings some needed sort of levity to this film. Not that Jamie Foxx can't deliver that. That guy is hilarious. He plays uh, a good foil to the to Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Though, yeah. Is- uh, the, the the two of them work on a level that is just is, is different and funny. But yeah, the um yeah, I mean between Snoop Dogg, Dave Franco and Jamie Foxx right there you and and then Peter Stormare has a small part in this. Um, and I don't know who plays uh, Seeger, but that guy also is amazing. <laughs> I don't know who that dude was. Who was he? Yeah, I don't know, but he was great. 
uh yeah um oh his name's eric lang i don't know that i've ever seen this guy but um i liked what he was putting out there no he did a great job he he played it well um and i got you know okay so first of all i would say um that this is um you know this is definitely a, like a fun film it's not supposed to be super serious but it's got a lot of homages to different like vampire horror films, right? Like it's got a little bit of blade mixed in. It's got a little bit of like Shauna that like, it's, it's definitely a, like a comedy. Um, but, and overall I really liked it and it was fun. If you don't take it too seriously, you can really enjoy it. And it is, it has got like Jamie Foxx does a really good job at, you know, just playing this sort of like beleaguered, dad who's trying to like make things right with his family like but has to hide his profession and that kind of thing like it has a lot of levity to it and i don't think it should take itself too seriously um there are some things that i truly think could have made this even better and made it greater um but overall i think it was just a lot of fun it was a extremely happy uh viewing very orange movie, a lot of orange filters over everything because it's yeah. you know Los Angeles. Um, I, I did I, I some of the things that I think might might have made it more enjoyable were <laughs> it's I don't know if I, I was alone in having this reaction, but a lot of the story is Jamie Foxx having to like raise all this money or his wife is going to take his daughter and live and move to the East coast, I think. Right. Or Florida. Yeah, it, had a, it had a little bit of diehard vibe going on there. Uh, it's right? the, what I really don't love about this is just like the antiquated family policy that they're like yeah. espousing here. Like Jamie Foxx is the only, like, what's the woman doing? What's Joss doing to raise any of this right. money? Why is right. this all Jamie Foxx's responsibility? Yeah, it, seems, it seems a very antiquated general kind of a thing, right? She's just like, in her house in her like active wear working on tiling projects. It right, right. doesn't appear to pick her child up from school or take, take them to birthday parties. That's all Jamie uh, Foxx's so job. So you're coming across sort of my biggest criticism of the film, which is like the character development and the and the storyline. I think that the thing that would have made this a lot stronger is developing her character, but also the um the the Seth character, which is the Dave Franco character and the relationship between them. I think they did a good job with what they had, but I think it could e could have been even better. They didn't have um, much. Yeah, because there were uh, several cuts where it was like, OK, we're going out. We're doing vampire hunting days over, uh, you know, like jump cut to the next morning. Like there was there was no time to develop Dave Franco. Well, and and also like the the sort of, you know, the whole the whole sort of, you know, the trope of the the bad cop who gets like somebody to like the, the sort of like the, the foil basically to monitor him. And he's going to bring him over to his side and that kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's normal buddy cop. Weirdly, it's like a buddy cop kind of mm -hmm. film. Um, but they don't do enough to develop that relationship in a way that I think both of them were probably capable of. And it made me wonder what edit what ended up on the editing room floor. Cause I felt like maybe there was some of that and they, they kind of, cut it down and this is like i mean it's a two-hour movie um or close to and like you there were some i think that they traded that for some of like the action set pieces which were a lot of fun but i think 
would it would have been better served you could have cut those down and added a little bit more to character development right yeah um, you could have even cut the character of apartment 19 heather like to me she's yeah, useless it just didn't even make sense. Like it didn't even. She was underdeveloped to the point of being like, wait, Oh, she's coming with you. Oh, you're, you're not, she's okay. You guys are cool. I don't understand. Like she, she has like one line of dialogue that's supposed to explain why she's not going to be like, why she's a good vampire. (laughs) And then it's just, that is just established. And I know, I think I'm taking this too seriously and it's not, you're not supposed to think about this kind of stuff, but to me it is like, it's, it's a slight problem. Same with how, Seth and she just walk off and are talking about like killing his coworker, uh, sort of in a jokey way. And Bud's like, "Okay, bye. I'm a vampire hunter, but I don't care about you guys anymore." Right. Um, it was weird, right? But I mean, all that is balancing though the amazing. What I would say, like, pretty amazing choreography. A lot of it's a lot of contortionists. I feel like they took a, a, a chapter from the Korean zombie uh, extras in Bo- Train to Busan. A lot of people with their feet over their heads. Yep. But done in a more comical way, because that's like how some of these fight scenes like laid out. And I mean, look, I, I get it because this director is a stump person and that's like the stuff that they really probably are excited about. And I understand that. But so many of those to me seems like a little overplayed and you know, you have, and maybe it's because they just didn't have a ton of screen time, screen time with him, but you have like Snoop Dogg, who's like, I wanted to know a lot more about his character. And we just didn't get that. Um, Cause clearly he's like, you get enough and he, he plays it really well. And again, it's similar to the, the Seth character and the relationship between um, your mate, between Jamie Foxx and him. Well, I want to know about the relationship between Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg, right? And you just don't, they don't give you enough of that. Um, so that was, you know, he, he plays it to the hilt and he plays everything he's got with it, but it just kind of like just rings a little hollow, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the very end of the film too, they resurrect Snoop Dogg, although you never saw him die. You just saw him pull out a suicide vest. So you kind of, put two and two together maybe it was just light based you know but then he like gets out of the manhole cover says a throwaway line about los angeles and vampires and then walks away leaving his truck like his probably multi-thousand dollar minigun all the stuff that he brought to that fight he's just like yeah i'm gonna walk away it's just like i mean i get it like it maybe it's cooler but that's silly <laughs> That's yeah ridiculous. it's just weird it's just weird um and so i don't know there were it's uh, just so there were things that there that, that ended up in the script that don't make a whole ton of sense and the impression you get as the audience is like just just don't don't you know don't look there look at snoop dogg uh, silhouetted against the los angeles sunset or something yeah uh, and, mean, that, and and also know. they're a little muddy with their like I don't know what whatever world this is in. There's some really cool things about it. I love that he's like faking his his life as a vampire hunter by pretending to be a pool cleaner, which is pretty funny. Um, I like that there's specific things in place, like so if you hunt vampires, like the rules in this world, like that they can like track you because of gases, and you have to like wash yourself with this thing. Like I liked some of the nice little touches like that. Yeah. Um, and they see, and that's I think that's what's a little bit frustrating to me about it is that they were so careful in certain parts of the world building, and in other parts it was like, eh, you know, these these really important relationships, we don't have to we don't have to flesh these out at all. You know. And so, it's funny because that lemon curd that he uses to clean the the zombie stuff off of him mm-hmm. doesn't really play into the to the plot. 
No, not at all. It's just it's weird. Just, it's just flavor. Yeah. But I mean, it's great flavor. I, I love the the fact that he, you have a scene of him using that in the first like five, 10 minutes of the movie. And then he gives it to Dave Franco, Seth later. And is like, make sure you do, you use this. And they right. do, but it doesn't really save them because the uh, reasons, I don't know. I guess. So anyway, but still, and, and then um, I do think that one of my favorite action sequences in this wasn't even a fight scene. Well, it sort of was, but it was the car chase or the, car scene where he's like driving his truck with his daughter Mm -hmm. um i just thought that that was kind of like a fun little like romp and finally she's just like okay dad this is ridiculous and like you know it's ridiculous in the first place because he tells like puts her on the ipad and tells her to like oh do this and don't look up while i'm like doing these crazy maneuvers and then finally she's like oh you need my help and i thought that that was kind of a fun thing to get her and again i think if they had done a little bit more of that like just in having you know, just building up the relationships a little bit more and, and doing things like that. I, I don't know. It's it's very much. And, and you know, this is like I have to say, like, in terms of like these types of films, this is like it feels like a throwback film. Like this feels like something that would have been, I don't know, uh, in the late 90s or something, you know, and, and look, you've got Underworld, which was like pretty but silly. You know what I mean? Like. Mm. You get there's a lot of leeway for for that kind of film, and I'm okay if that's what this is. I guess part of it is that it had it felt like potential to be so much more, right? Yeah. So. Uh, if I can, while I'm thinking of of uh, you know darts to throw at this movie too, which I did enjoy, um, and it's flown right out of my head. Oh no, it was like you kind of get vibes of Will Smith in um why can we never remember the name of this movie anymore? I am legend. It, yeah. You kind of get vibes <laughs> of that from him because of all the locks he has on his door and yeah, and yeah, the, the care he is taking about like covering his tracks and like locking up and being safe. Uh but then he multiple times in this film comes home from work after dark and doesn't seem to have any like caution like when he first runs into heather from 19b or apartment 19 i know she's a vampire like right why wouldn't he you know it's like weird and he's it's after dark and he's coming home and when he brings Paige home from the birthday party and after the car chase it's somehow sunset uh i I don't know anybody who has a kid's birthday party afternoon honestly or very few because most adults want to get those things over with as early in the day as they can Uh, i've got one today from uh, 10 to 1 just as an example um so yeah like he keeps coming home after dark and i'm just like that doesn't feel like the care that he would take uh because it's it's usually and his yeah like the way that the script works he's so often um like the the when they do the hive clearing which is like one of my favorite scenes a series of scenes in the movie i think they kill 50 vampires in that house and it's just like beautifully choreographed and there's a lot of fun repartee between the Nazarian brothers and Seth with his weird neck thing. But after that fight, and they're just sitting in front of that house, it seems like the first thing they've done all day. They have to go pick, he has to go pick up Paige uh, and then takes her to the party, right? Is that when, is that the the series of events there? He's not like picking her up from school. He's going to her house, taking her to a birthday party and then back. It's like he constantly has no time to do anything. And then he ends up being out at night. And I find that frustrating. Yeah. And it's also, I don't know, the thing about the neighbor that also bothered me, it's like he does go by and he sees basically another vampire in there. And it's like, he knows, like, 
That guy I was get- out during the day. I mean, I mean, I know that they have the sunscreen and stuff, but like he basically slices that guy's throat at the birthday party, right? That was that guy. Yeah, but like my my thing about that that whole interaction when he sees him at Heather's apartment, um, you know, does this guy seem like I'm sorry, but Bud does not seem like the kind of person that's going to tolerate living next door to any any vampire for any amount of time or have anybody who's interacting with them. That's not something that he is going to tolerate. You know, mm-hmm. like I just don't buy it. So so that, there's like little things like that that just don't ring true to me. Um, and again, this has a little bit of that campiness of like a Sam Raimi film. And so I think that that's a sort of where they were going is that they're expecting you to be like, this isn't supposed to be deep. This isn't supposed to be like, um, you know, taking, taking, it's not taking itself too seriously, but again, those little tweaks, even in a camping movie can be, can be really make it hit just much better and, it, even though it's camp, it can still be like you can still build characters in a way that make you care a little bit about them, right? Yeah, um, I but don't like, know enough. I don't know. I don't feel like we have enough of that in this at maybe all. Maybe not. Uh, it, yeah, taking it just face value, you watch this, you walk away, you're like, that was, you know, there were some cool scenes in there, but when you think about it for a hot minute, you can be, you can just be like, all right, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, the world building. Like we mentioned, there's the the yellow goop, the lemon curd. It totally just looks like he's given him a bell jar of lemon curd, right? Yeah. Um, but the world building with the union and the relationship between Peter Stormare's pawn shop, Troy, Troy's pawn shop, and Bud, and how it's like off the off track or whatever, and the union is where you go to get the good price on teeth. I thought this was very cool. This was like kind of Men in Black, I guess. It's yeah, just all totally. Will Smith movie references, maybe. Uh, and I wanted to see more of the union also. I was really hoping that the union was going to show up and bail them out uh, in the final movie instead of just like uh, Big J doing like a one man army thing. But yeah, I thought the same thing. So I don't know. But again, this was a lot of fun. It's a popcorn movie. Like, And they kind of set it up to where a sequel could be possible because they keep referencing a bigger vampire even than the big bad and this one yeah, i mean there's kind of two big bads seeker <laughs> is one of the big bads because he's like the big bad bureaucrat and then there's audrey the real estate agent um who i thought was really good in, in her right. part and then they mentioned the jefe el jefe who is apparently 400 years old and they mentioned him a few times and i almost thought that that individual was going to come and bail out bud in the final combat too but they didn't do it that way either um yeah same i i thought that that was going to be i thought because of the way they kept referencing um this big bad that somehow that would turn out to be the person that was behind all of this um or that she the the main sort of vampire villain was going to turn out to be this vampire but um but anyway i i like it i i thought it was a lot of fun it's a good rainy day afternoon kind of film to watch um, but again, and, and a great cast. And I really thought that Jamie Foxx did a great job. And I like, I would like to see more of, of, uh, him and Seth. Um, you might, you might Seth. get to, so you yeah. might get to it's, um, yeah, I think there were just some inconsistencies with the script, but I think they set it up in a, in an interesting way. Like, you know, the fact that Audrey is just gearing up for a war with vampires is also like a really cool plot, uh, story hook that they don't that they've like established she keeps saying a war is coming and you're going to be on the right side to page the there's just a lot of really cool little hooks here 
that they certainly could do another movie. This the budget for this one, according to Wikipedia anyway, is a hundred million. I don't know how Netflix justifies. I guess they must do enough of views, but they you know how many how many uh, subscriptions is that? Um, I, I who knows how they do that arithmetic. But if they uh, make it back, maybe they'll do a follow up. And I think there's there's still some cool storytelling to do here. And they've built the cool world. They just need to work on some of the consistency stuff and some of the um, character development stuff in a way that doesn't sacrifice the humor or the or the cool action scenes, which they definitely had down like the humor and the cool action scenes nailed it. Yeah, and I uh, totally um, and I also thought it was interesting that they decided to release this in August versus closest closer to Halloween season. But maybe they're hoping to get some kind of like ramp up and they may be like pushing this for to get the the views for Halloween. I mean, if you're going to have a summer vampire killing movie, it was definitely this one. This felt summery, like Jamie Foxx's wardrobe alone, all his Hawaiian shirts. Oh, no, it was great. And it definitely felt like that. But I don't know. It just but maybe again, they're just going to like roll that into the Halloween season and they just have this on all the sort of recommendations for the, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, so so I know kind of a I, I think it is a fun little watch. So, so if you just want are in the mood for sort of a popcorn film, this is it. And, you know, I would definitely watch a sequel. Well, you might get to. Uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I guess that's kind of it. Uh, I think this is a go out and watch it. Just know that it's not like, you yeah. know, it shouldn't win any Oscars. That's for sure. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Uh, and Dave Franco is, is a delight. Hopefully he is, he's, he is. he's, uh, not going to start an acting school. That would probably <laughs> be ill-advised on his, on uh, his part. Uh, but no, he did a great job and I, and I did really like their chemistry, so uh, maybe we'll see them again in this in this world. So that would be fun. Um, so I think when we get back together. Oh, by the way, did you see? Uh, there was so much news out there about like Walking Dead zombies and yeah, other... but I just haven't been reading it because I haven't. You it know, just feels wanna... like spoilers. Yeah, yeah I don't want to yeah. read it. Yeah, so that's why I didn't add that in. Um, yeah, I just mentioned it for. You know that there's just a lot of that out there, and I think we're switching gears to go to Walking Dead next. So yeah. we will start talking about uh, season eleven. So uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap it here, a uh, little shorty today, but we'll be back next time to start the process of talking about the Walking Dead season eleven, the final chapter or whatever it's called. Um, and I hope that you can join us for that. If you want to uh, get a hold of us, you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com our show notes and we'll link to the trailers and some of our thoughts on twitter at reanimatedpcast and uh you can find us on podbean and overcast and apple podcasts and all over the place apparently little known fact most people listen to our podcast on spotify Uh, Hmm. this is something i've learned since switching to podbean uh so that's our kind of our new hosting platform right now Uh, But yeah, holler at us and get back with us next time on Reanimated. And uh, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Until next time. Ciao.